You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. We're glad you are back with us. You're probably noticing this is sounding just a little bit different. Um, and if you were watching us on our YouTube channel last time, well, you're not seeing us. So we are moving away from video just a little bit. I'm not telling you that video is going away forever, but just for right now, we're going to focus a little bit more on the audio and get that dialed in and make sure it's just the best possible experience that we have for you guys as you're listening. So bear with us, have patience as we try to dial this in a little bit on our end. Today, I'm excited to talk about a subject that I actually, I feel pretty strongly about, but at the same time, my goodness, it's certainly not someone that everybody wants to talk about. Um, But it's an important one. And it's important for us as women to be able to understand this issue from a biblical construct. So as part of the Devoted Podcast, whatever we do, I always want us to be pushing whatever it is culturally we're seeing or experiences that we're going through or stories that we may hear from other people, but we want to look at what Scripture says um, about whatever it is. I mean, that's what matters, right? And you're going to hear me say all the time that Scripture is the, it's the bar. It is the filter in which we need to see everything through. And it is the thing that we're going to look to. It is the thing that we're submitted to. It is the absolute highest authority for us on how we are to live our lives as we read Scripture and we learn about who God is through Scripture. So much is revealed to us. So while um, this topic is often very like, I don't know, I feel like it just gets muddied and confused culturally, and I just don't think that that was ever the Lord's intent, and I don't think that's what's represented in Scripture. So where I want to, what I want to talk about, though, is specifically our role as women in this culture, what what do we make of all of this stuff of the we have had such a big push for women's empowerment over the last, I don't know, year, 18 months. And and this isn't new. And I also would not be the first to tell you that all of the different tracks of feminism have been bad. Um, if you study these things, which I have a very cursory understanding of these things. Um, so certainly no expert, but there's been different waves of feminism. And I would not say that all of them have been, you know, terrible and outside of what the Bible is saying to us as women. But particularly this last wave that we're in, some people call it the third wave or some even say maybe the fourth. It's much more militant. I don't know if you've noticed this, um, but I feel like it's necessary. Well, I don't know how you couldn't have noticed it, honestly. But I, I feel like it's important to point out that this place that we're in, in women's empowerment. It's not just something that we're seeing just in culture. We're seeing it in church too. And so it's something that I think we really need to take a look at and go back to what what does the Bible say about these things. And often I find too that sometimes these issues on how we should just conduct ourselves are not really gender related. They're just about being people, you know, gentleness and the fruits of the spirit and all the things that scripture it tells us how we are to walk in walk in Christ is so the antithesis of what we see in culture so many times. And I, I think we ha- that has so highlighted in this particular issue. Um, it just is something that 
it's, you know, I, I just, I always notice it, I guess, so much. If you're on social media at all, you see this all the time. And, you know, it just as our culture has made the whole women's empowerment thing. I mean, it, it's, it's a fight song, it's a meme, and it's a mission all at the same time. And by its very nature, it's discriminatory to one sex, right? Um, I believe that anything that is going to detract from the equal in value, yet distinct in roles premise is outside of biblical intent. And further, I think that is just whole, this whole issue is being used just brilliantly by the enemy to really divide our culture, but also our churches on this. So, um, and I just want to put that out there as a premise too, because there is a lot of folks that will disagree on different interpretations of these things, but we want to keep the main thing, the main thing, and not allow these types of things to be divisive. As I started to kind of delve into women's ministry uh, several months back and just kind of like, what did the Lord have for me in this arena? And I just felt so strongly that this particular issue just really needed to be deconstructed and then reconstructed through a biblical construct that is predicated on the word of God being the final authority of our lives, regardless of how popular or culturally relevant that it may or may not be. And I think a lot less, um, we would appreciate something that has a lot less controversy and all of that kind of stuff. But guys, we've got to be willing to tackle these issues and also just be willing to firmly grasp the word and it's it's freeing here. And I and I hope we get to get into that a little bit more so that because I think what scripture has for us as women is so liberating and is so amazing to walk in the calling that he's given us and not the calling that the that the culture that the world is saying that you should be walking in. So um I hope we don't shy away from that topic, even though it can be a little bit sticky, right? Um because there are so many outside factors to this, um, social media and all these, all these other influencing, external influencing factors are just, they're just fighting tooth and nail to tell you who you are as a woman that, and you know, you've seen all the memes, right? We can do anything we can do. We can do it all. Right. And there's pictures about it. And then, you know, I just drives me crazy. All the ads and all the different things that pretty much usually make the men out to be like the dumbest person in the room and it's the woman that saves the day. I mean, truly, it's it's so much like even in movies. I've watched even like some the, the superhero type movies with my um, my older boys and they always are creating this picture that it's the woman that saves the day because she can do everything, right? And I know that that is just a tiny little thing that they kind of sneak in, but it, it just, it started to just kind of grate on me because I'm just not, I don't see that that is the picture that's being represented in scripture for us. But why is this such a big deal, you know? And, and I feel like for us as women, it's just the culture keeps sowing these seeds of content, contempt and almost aggrandizement that we are quickly becoming, um, that, that's how we define ourselves as women, is what, what the culture is saying. And I just see this, and I, I try to be really aware of these things as I see them in media or whatever, just to recognize them, because I really think that it just needs to stop. And we can't stop it if we don't recognize that it's happening, whether it's a subliminal or a very overt message, but those messages are out there. But we cannot be fully who the Lord calls us to be until we recognize some of these things that we are believing. 
And um, so I want to look a little bit at what scripture says about these things. So the first part of this um, this episode, the bulk of this one is going to just be hearing, I want to give you my heart and what, how I'm seeing scripture really have just such a great and encouraging word to us as women through all of these things. We're going to do a second part um, next week, and that is going to have uh, a pastor that is at our church at Ethie Creek. I've asked him to come in and kind of chime in on this conversation and we're going to go kind of deeper into some of these scriptures, even some of the ones that are, you know, so, so-called the most controversial or whatever. But I want to look at that. He's been really helpful to be able to um, help look at what really what fully what the scripture is saying there. So he's going to come in and, and talk about those things, too. So this is going to be a little bit. Uh, this is going to be a two part conversation on what this looks like. But at the same time, I always want to remind you guys, please don't just take our words for this, but please study these scriptures for yourself and and just ask the Lord, ask the Spirit to show you the things in His Word that He has for you. I, I love that that's how He works, right? That He opens our eyes to things and He allows us to see, He allows us to see things when we seek Him. And I just it would encourage you to do that. Even as you, you hear some of these things, let it be a starting point for you. It's great. But Please continue to study this stuff on your own. But the first part of this, we have to go back to where um, this whole idea of identity. And again, I just so wish we could just kind of strip that word from the uh, worldly context and then the biblical context, because they're honestly quite different. You know, identity with the world is all kinds of things about what you do. And, um, you know, are you are you married? Are you single? Are you a career person? How many letters do you have behind your name? You know, how many degrees do you have? Are you an influencer? Are you? But that's how the world determines identity. And that is not how God determines identity. So you can go all the way back to the very beginning. You can look at Genesis 127, and it talks about that we were created in God's image right there. Boom. That is our identity. We are image bearers of God. Huge honor. My goodness. There's so many things that we can say. And and, and I think we, we say it so much as Christians that we can kind of lose the power of what that really is. But in all of creation, all the things that he created, uh, the animals, and nothing was created in God's image. That's a very distinct honor that he gave to us. So that is where our identity is. And you can just keep looking through scripture on the beautiful pictures of what that looks like, that we have, what it means to be an image bearer of God. And uh, we can even follow that all the way through to the gospel message too, because it's, it's because of Jesus that we are saved. And we are saved, why? Because we're, we are those, those image bearers. He loves us. We are image bearers of God. That's just the, huge, the biggest part right there. It's a pretty simple response, right, to identity. The world can make that conversation really go on far longer. We can really condense that into we are image bearers of God. And that's where our identity is held. That's where your value is. It has nothing to do with what you do. That is who you are right there. So you can't have this conversation without first just taking a look at that and making sure that you are acknowledging that you understand that you and I, we are image bearers of God. The second part that, and this is the one where we get all kinds of different interpretations with things and what what is meant by this, but in Genesis 2.18, it talks about us specifically as women, and it says that we, uh, that God said he would create a helper fit for him. Now, I wish it was a different word, honestly, in our American term for helper, because we hear the word helper 
and we think of a very diminishing role. We think of something as like, oh, yep, she she helped him out, or you know, we, uh, you know, with our kids, we put it in little terms and go, oh, aren't you being such a good helper? And you know, but it's it feels like a less than role, and I don't I don't think that that is what Scripture is telling us either. That word, um, there's far more scholarly people that will tackle what these words mean, but I know like the word in the Hebrew, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it's that easy E-R, and um, there is implications to that word and ways in you, it's used in other places in Scripture that there is, it's not a diminished role for sure. Um, in other places in Scripture, it even talks about that that word as being um, for the Holy Spirit, meaning a, a that type of helper. But you would never look at the Holy Spirit as that is a diminished role. Far from it. So there is a there's a valor implication to that word, but it is an honored. Um, it's a word that has worth, and it's not meant to be a diminishing role. That's so hard for us in our. 2020 context to be able to say, I don't want to be viewed as a helper. That doesn't sound important. Again, you got to take those thoughts captive right out of the gate because that is not what that word is intended to be. And that's not looking at scripture for what it was really intended to be. But the the idea of being a helper you know, go back to when God created women and he looked at all the things that he had created. He said, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. He gets to man. He said, it is not good. It is not good that man should dwell alone. And so he said he would create a helper fit for him. That's us. Okay. That, again, this shouldn't be a bad thing. And if that bothers you that, well, wait, I was created just to help him. If that bothers you, if that's rubbing you the wrong way, I would just ask you to really pray about that. Why is that bothering you? Why would that bother me? Because it's not intended to be something that is diminishing. And then at the same time, like I referenced earlier, sometimes scripture may say something about who we are that we might go, I just, I don't know if I like that. And again, you're welcome to think that. I am welcome to have it take issue with some of those things. But at the end of the day, it is scripture that we hold ourselves to. It is something that we are submitted to. So it is something that it's not necessarily, uh, not to sound, you know, calloused and unfeeling about this, but it is, it is, it is the way that it is. And whether we like it or accept it, well, that's kind of up to us. But it still is. And I think we do see so much strife when we get to these places where we as women want to kind of fight against what these terms mean. And often we're not defining them correctly. We're not defining what helper is really intended to be. And then, but we fight against that. And then what are you left with? You're left with seeds of just being discontent and things that are not of the Lord. So, I know that sounds, I know that's unpopular to be said at times, but I think it's important to recognize if you really are wanting to take an honest look at scripture and what it is saying about who we are, we are image bearers of God, that we're created to be a helper. And I wish I could come up with a more glamorous word that I think would equate to what I think God's heart is for us in that term that is not so Americanized and all the things that we've done to that term. But I don't have one. So 
regardless, I it is it's you, you just got to take the word at what it, at its at its word and know that it is not considered to be something that is diminishing at all. So you have all kinds of scripture where there's examples of people that do women that do this really well. You know, I I love the story of Esther who is my goodness, a helper to the nth degree, right? She literally saves her people. And the way in which she does that, the way she respectfully um, interacts even with her husband, the king, who was, you know, seeming to be a pretty wicked king, is is admirable. But to see the way she conducts herself in that, I think is really cool. So we have some great examples of that. And Sarah, you can look at the story in, in uh, Genesis, how, how Sarah, how she was submitted to her husband and was a help to him. And I'm, I'm not trying to interchange those words too much because I, it, but being submitted to something, again, is something that culturally we've taken as like, oh, that's, uh, that's a bad thing. No, no, it's really not. And there is other, we're going to talk about later the scriptures that point to this order and the order of um, headship. And, you know, there is authority pieces to this. It's not, it's not less than, but there is an order that you cannot deny for sure. And that's all through scripture. And I actually just think that's amazing how scripture is so uh, congruent and, and, and just consistent through all of, all of it on that issue. So we have great examples in scripture of women who have done this well. And then, you know, I'm sure many of you have examples of marriages that you've just seen how you how she was just a help to him. And in a great way, there's, I'm probably going to, the quote about behind every great man is a really great woman. I, you know, sometimes I've heard that. And again, it's, it's our own fleshly sinful, like, well, wait a minute, why aren't you acknowledging the woman more? But again, I think that's such a cool picture of that help if you, if you can. And I've seen this in really cool marriages exemplified how they they just come together and they're just such a team. Um, for me, obviously, the closest one I have is my own marriage. My, my husband and I have been married a little over 21 years. And I have never been in a situation where I feel like I am, uh, you know, second place where um, my opinion isn't heard and, and, all, and all that kind of stuff. Now, for sure, does the at the end of the day, whatever the decisions are on big issues, does that fall to my husband? Oh, absolutely. Which for me is a blessing um, because that weight of those decisions is not on me. And I love that. Um And when we get to talk with Pastor Gabe, we're going to talk about some scriptures on that issue as well, because I just think it truly is remarkable. But I so enjoy the partnership, really, that we have. I am submitted to his authority, but I also know that I get to be a help to him. And sometimes that's just the that's where you kind of have to have that perspective change. What's your attitude going to be going into a relationship or are you going to look at it within the role that the Lord gave us is how I can be of help? I remember um, early on in our marriage, and I I can't can't even tell you what book I had read, but it was something that was focusing on um, being a help. And so I just kind of made that my prayer. And every morning, um, Chris always got up before I did and was getting ready for work, and I was still in bed. And so I would lay in bed, and every morning my prayer would be, Lord, show me the ways that I can be a help to him. And so I would always pray that. And then um, before he would leave, I would always ask, is there anything I can do to help you today? 
you know, 80% of the time he's like, no, I can't think of anything. And sometimes it, there might have been something practical that he maybe needed help with or something I can do. So um, I know for some, you're going to think, wow, that just sounds really antiquated. It's really not. And it is walking within what our role is. And it's not diminishing. It is not in any way a secondary thing. It is just, it's actually, it feels right. I mean, if you've done this for a while, you you kind of go, huh, this is actually really liberating. There's no strife here. You're just walking in the ways that um, that you're wired to walk. Now, I do have to say a word because I know there's many out there who've just not had a good role or a good model to follow in how this is. Maybe it was the family you grew up in and maybe it was a dad that was, you know, terrible about how he treated your mom and, you know, that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's you are in a marriage yourself that is difficult and there isn't that um, partnership and it does make you feel like you are more secondary. I'm not giving a blanket statement for bad behavior on the part of men who have not taken their role seriously as well. I'm certainly not doing that. I'm just speaking to you and to me as women on what we can do and how we can walk. And I do believe that the Lord offers um, protection and care for women who are trying to walk in his ways. So the second thing I want to look at is the the Bible's attitude and the view of women. And again, this is something that's been really skewed as well, right? They want to say that the Bible and Jesus is was sexist and misogynist and just had this horrible treatment of women, not substantiated in Scripture at all. However, um, culturally, back in the day, ancient times, I bet you could make that case. Women were not regarded well. And I think that's why really Jesus's treatment of women, particularly in the New Testament, is just so scandalous to the times because he treated women with such high regard. There's a couple ways that I love how this comes out. The first is is with Jesus and how he, uh, his first treatment with the Samaritan woman at the well. Man, this would have been absolutely just a complete scandal. Not only was this person a Samaritan, which the Jews did not like, didn't even go through their um, land. Like they would take the long way around just so they didn't have to walk through the Samaritan's country or their, their land. But then to be talking to a woman, okay, wow, that's really bad. Men, especially like Jewish uh, leaders, they're not going to be talking to women. That's, that's not okay. And then the third part is that this woman was coming to the well at a time of day that probably would have given the implication that she was probably not of the best reputation. For whatever reason, she had some cultural stigma to her that made her come out to the well at the heat of the day, not in the early morning. And when Jesus has this interaction with this woman, do you not picture that the tenderness that he has. I don't know why, you know, I'm mean, obviously I didn't see this. The Bible doesn't come in in Blu-ray, but I just feel like when I read the story with Jesus and how he speaks to this woman, it never seems harsh. It always feels kind and compassionate. And it just is amazing to me to see how he responds to her. And he's he's not condemning or anything. So all of that I think is great. I think that it's so great how he's just so kind and compassionate. But then the next thing, this is the thing that just gets me. So he he reveals himself as Jesus, the Messiah, to this woman of not good reputation, right? He tells her that he is the Messiah. And she runs into the village, and she is the one that tells this village that she has seen the Messiah. 
This was big because up until this point in Jesus' ministry, he had not been giving that uh, information to people. In fact, he'd been kind of like, you know, I, I want you to kind of keep this to yourself. But to this woman, he gives her this honor of basically being the first to go into a village and say, I have seen the Messiah. The Messiah is here. That is a, I mean, that's a history making moment right there. He could have anybody be the one to do that. But he chose this woman to do that. And I, 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 for those that just want to make this case that Jesus had such a low regard of women or he didn't want to put them in, in um, areas of importance, so wrong. I mean, this is a prime example right here. You see another example of that with who was it that was the very first to tell the disciples that Jesus had resurrected? It was women. These women went to the tomb early in the morning and they discovered that the grave, that the tomb was, that the tomb was empty. And they run back and they tell the disciples that Jesus had risen. That's amazing. Again, God of the universe could have orchestrated anybody to be the one that would go and, and, and find that news. He could have had it be a really important person. He could have had it be a religious leader. He could have had it to be any man. He chose women. So we just see these important history-making moments with women in, in Scripture where he, they are giving some key history-making moments. So I don't buy this story that, that Jesus or that God has a, uh, has a second or a less-than view of women. He gave some of the most important messages about the gospel itself to women, and they were the first to impart it. And I think that is an amazing uh, piece there. And I think it shows us really what his heart is. The other one, if you go in further into uh, the New Testament, you see the story of Lydia in Philippi. And she was the one that came out and Paul met at this river bed. And she was one of the first, she was the first convert in that area. Again, a woman. Could have been anyone. But Jesus chose the way this story was going to be played out, these women would play key roles in how the gospel was there. The gospel, it was a woman that was the first to say that Jesus was the Messiah. It was another that would tell of the resurrection. There would be, and then there, there's the Lydia that is one of the first con, convert in Macedonia, which I just think is amazing too. Could have been anyone. The second case that people will try to make in this area is that they'll say that Paul, well, Paul, Please don't read anything that Paul says because Paul was clearly a misogynist and just hated women and treated women horribly. That can't be true either. I mean, truly, you're not reading all of the scriptures and all of the words that are that Paul wrote when he is regularly in each of his letters commending the women that were serving with him and sometimes even giving letters that he had written to take to these churches. I mean, they were given uh, important roles. They were, he depended on these women. He thought highly of them. So that story just doesn't hold up well either. So those are a couple issues that I just wanted to address and sort of lay a framework of first seeing that, gals, you got to go back to the fact that of who we are, that we are image bearers of, of God. That's where our identity is found. That's all of it, right? Uh, you need to look at what your role is. And again, maybe you don't like that part. Maybe you're like, I don't want to be called that. Would you pray about that? Because I think that um, sometimes when we when there are scriptures, I know that I've gone, oh, I just don't know what I think about that. Often what it reveals after I pray about it is it's just something, it's just something sinful in me. 
that wants to fight for my own thing. And I believe that if we really want to walk in what the Lord has for us, we need to be honest with our sin, confess that sin, and then be then walk in the role that he has called us to be. I was asked one time by my high school, high schooler, who I don't know, there must have been some kind of conversation that was spurred at school or something. I don't know. But he asked me to define feminism one time. And um, I, you never know when you look at your kids what, what kind of answer they think they're going to get. But um, I had been reading in James that day. And so I, when he asked me to define that, I said, uh, let's, let's read James 3.16. And James 3.16, it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Now, some of you are thinking, wow, could you have picked a more harsh, crazy scripture to define feminism? Now, keep in mind the type of feminism that I am defining here is more of this militant, putting yourself first above all things, um, this empowerment thing of Men are less than, we can do everything. And when I look at James 3.16, and it's talking about for where there's jealousy, okay, wanting something that somebody else has. Um, In this case, that can be, uh, we can be jealous of that. Well, men are doing this. Why can't I be doing that? That's what that looks like sometimes. Selfish ambition, okay? That's the next thing that it talks about in James. Selfishly wanting to... Uh, to be able to be looked at as having ambition and and doing things that are important and, you know, but, but advancing our own agenda is often what that can look like. But it says you have those two things, those two things, and where those two things exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. And again, you're probably thinking, wow, that is an extremely, uh, some really strong words that you're putting with that. And I I understand that. However, we need to be reminded sometimes, I need to be reminded how gross my sin really is. When I want to promote myself and promote the thing that um, I think I'm entitled to and all of these things, it has a whole lot to do with me, me, me. And that's just sin. And it's just gross. Our sin is, it is that bad. And while, again, I'm putting this statement out there, and I'll say this disclaimer again and again, I am not encouraging or making excuses for bad behavior of, you know, men that have treated women poorly, nothing like that. We are not talking about that right now. I'm talking about our own personal decisions, the things that we choose to identify who we are or not who we are. Are we going to identify the fact that we just are image bearers of God and that is where our intrinsic value is found? Are we going to see the role that God created us to have and walk in that? Or are we going to go against those things? And I guess that's where I see James in this talking about having jealousy and selfish ambition. And so I want to ask the Lord, I want to search my own heart. Lord, are there ways that I am showing jealousy and selfish ambition and I also recognize that this is not a passage that is directed just just to women. No, this is this is anybody. And of course, there can be men and women that could absolutely fall into this. But when you look at the consequences or look at what it says, the ramifications of it, it says, if you fall into these two things, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And I think particularly the disorder one really speaks to me and um, the I love order. Okay. I am a very type A uh, I really like my ducks in a row. 
And I like to color code my closet, right? So I love order. But there's order all throughout Scripture. And I'm not going to go into that one too much because, when I, like I said, when we talk to Gabe, we're going to, um, he's going to walk us through some passages. We're really going to look at what that order looks like. And it is beautiful. And it is a, such a picture that is all through Scripture. So if we're not walking in order, then we're finding ourselves in these dis, this, this area of disorder. And that is just, you know, have you ever been in a home even where just the order of things are not quite right, where uh, maybe, maybe it's the sweet little three-year-old who kind of just runs the place, right? Whatever that three-year-old wants, that's what's going to go. And, and you, if you're a guest in that home and you walk in and it's, you know, the three-year-old's having a tantrum and, you know, they just decide, oh, you know what, maybe we'll just do this another time because, you know, there's a, a, there's a disorder about, as opposed to, you know, dealing with those situations or parenting through some of those things, there's order. And we can, we're going to look at that, see all the order that we see in scripture, but where there's disorder, we're going to see those two pieces, that jealousy and that selfish ambition. And those are strong words. And I don't want to be in that camp, you know? And I think as somebody who, I, I am obviously, you know, the fact that I, I, I'm doing a podcast and I speak on a, a regular basis and all those things. I am somebody that does, I, I have opinions and I, and I want to be able to speak on things. But however, I want to rightly divide scripture. I want to look at what is my role? What, what does that mean for me? And do I have, examine my heart and ask the Lord, is there any jealousy or selfish ambition in me? And that, I, I don't want to have any room for that. So I'm going to leave this here and I'm going to ask you guys if you would just examine some of these scriptures on your own and do your best, do your best for two things. One, I'd love for you to just kind of observe and see some of the messages that you are seeing out there. It's either going to be on social media, it might be in movies, but you're going to see all kinds of things where the idea in our culture is really to promote women above all. And again, I'm not diminishing women, but we need to see that at often what those are doing is they're diminishing women at the cost of men. That's not helpful. That's never going to be helpful. So we need to recognize that. And if you're a parent, you need to help your kids see those messages too and recognize and, and point out that, hey, guys, these are messages of the world. This is not something that is of the Lord at all. So that's something I would just like you to be more observant about the, the messages that the world is trying to see. And, and also keep in mind, these messages exist in Christian circles and all those things too. Those, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that more in the next episode. But the second thing I want to ask you is just to pray and search your own heart, because I think it's really easy for us to um, say some of the, these things, but then also, you know, or, or hear some of these things rather, but not do them. And, you know, you got to remember the, the verse in James one twenty two, but it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. I don't want to hear a passage that I read in Genesis about how the Lord created me to be and then just not not internalize that, not like act on that. We want to be doers of the word. We, and that's just part of not only taking in good 
um, scripture and um, good teaching and, and trying to really interpret scripture the way that the Lord has it for us, but then also to to do those things and to act accordingly. Just one other thing that I would like to add on that. I know that sometimes, you know, the examples we give, we go back to Genesis, and so it's, it's you know, focusing on almost the marriage relationship and the woman being that helper. But please don't fall into that lie if you are a single gal that you cannot fulfill what your calling is as a woman if you're not married. That's not that's a lie of the enemy for sure. Without a doubt, there's still qualities of that same bringing help to something that just you get to manifest that in so many other areas. And I would challenge you to spend time with the Lord on what that looks like for you. But don't believe the lie that says that if I'm not married, I can't be fulfilling that because I I don't think that that is what we're being told either. So I hope all of that made sense. I know I sometimes feel like there's just so much in my brain about this stuff that I, I very prayerfully, you know, just ask the Lord to show me how this should all play out and organize my thoughts. So hopefully some of that made sense. And when we come back next week, you know, I'm excited about that to just go look a little bit deeper at some of these scriptures. And um, if you have comments, if you've got questions, hey, shoot us an email at devotedpodcast at atheecreek.com. And until then, have a great week and I hope you join us next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.